dedicated to reviews and discussion of TV, movies, and books. Look for us at Daily Review on Facebook and Twitter and dailyreview.com on the web. That's D-A-L-E-Y review.com. This is Paul Daly here with my wife, Caroline. Hey, guys. And today we're here to discuss the 10th episode of the second season of Hulu's The Handmaid's Tale. This one is called The Last Ceremony. This was a difficult episode, Paulo. I we had seen the previews for it and it looked awful. I had seen a ton of write-ups of people saying trigger warning and this was all that those people had warned it would be. I'm a little mad at this episode actually. I want to hear about that. I thought that the whole thing was gratuitous. I mean, they just stuck it in the middle of the episode and we're just supposed to just kind of get Get on by it. They already had dominance and and power over her. They already have every control over her. She was getting a little big for her britches, but still, I don't know. It just felt like you didn't need to put that in there story-wise to remind us of the shithole that we're in. I think that, um, well, let's just dive in with both feet, right? Do you just want to go right to the rape scene? We can do that. I mean, we can do that. No, let's just get there because I. But the stuff leading up to it isn't that major, so let's just let's just get there organically, story, okay. story wise. All right, we can do that. By not major, I mean yes. There's there's Emily at the very beginning with this voiceover. Did you notice like all of the use of depth of field in this one? I did to blur out people until the last second. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, I mean, it's it must be very different for men because you guys have never really been in a position of such vulnerability like this. Whether it's childbirth or whether it's even like a doctor exam or like whatever, there's a lot of parts to being a woman where you are in this very vulnerable position and you sort of don't want to be there. Even when things are like good and like okay about it like you're consenting to like an exam or whatever it's still all so violating in so many different ways that even when it's on the up and up and it's like for your health and stuff like that but it's like these kind of situations i mean i could really understand how the the blurring of it all the feeling like you're leaving your body and the you know just you just don't want to be there like it's all so insane it's not as frequent but men do have at least one invasive procedure that I can think of that isn't all that pleasant. Uh-huh. Very, very true. It's just the one, though. That's the one. Yeah. I'm not making comparisons. I'm just saying we're not completely scoreless in in, in the Do you feel like you have an out-of-body experience, or do you try to think, like, completely try to get out of there, out of your own brain? No, they try to do it very fast. So okay, it's it's more like doing sit-ups or something like you just grit your teeth again and uh okay. get get done with it well things like childbirth and stuff i mean th- those are like hours and hours and hours long where people are like i wasn't drawing direct comparison I, I was just saying that we business. are we are we are not <laughs> scoreless sure. we just we just aren't winning i think but I, I think that there's plenty of men who probably have had experiences too that are a very awful attack maybe getting beat up or something like that where you could say maybe you almost had like an out-of-body experience you know anything 
that was so traumatic um, that you would feel that way, you know? Emily, did you think she was going to kick that guy? I didn't know exactly what was happening when she went over there. I'd, I mean, first of all, I could tell on his face that he was having a heart attack. I thought that they actually did a good job of indicating on his face. I can't exactly explain it, but well before he actually had the heart attack, I was like, he's having a heart attack. So they did a good job with that actor and portraying it on his face that this was like different than what you would expect. So when he had the heart attack, I was like, yeah, that was predictable. But you're right. The actual kicking of him. I I was thinking, you know, he's going to have bruises or something. And uh, I guess they would just be uh, chalked up to like hitting the floor or something. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. It felt funny. Yeah. I mean, I I would consider kicking him in other places. I think she did when the screen oh, went yeah. black. Uh, she was. Yeah. Did you notice that he was kind of an old guy too. He did seem older. Um, I, You know, it's very difficult to tell these commanders' ages. And I know that in the book that the commander and Serena Joy were older That's as right. well. Yeah. So it seems like, I mean, naturally there would be older commanders as well. It's so weird, the whole thing, how we've discussed this in previous episodes about like, this is so much about fertility. This is so much about children and stuff, but like, honest to God, so much of the actual ceremonies, if you will, are really about like dominance and just being this bizarre, you know, setup. It, Mm -hmm. It does not seem to actually be the point of it being to yield children. If you were doing this for realsies, you would match up your most likely source of useful sperm with the most likely carrier uh, of an egg, right? It would be very scientific. It wouldn't be just like, well, you have status, so you get to try to have a baby, even though you're 70. Right. And I mean, that, and, it, and they did do that with the women. You know, I mean, they did cull through the women to try to figure out who would have them. And I mean, I understand that it's just, we're all just supposed to say, well, well all men are virile and, you know, able to have children. No, if they were really scientific about it. dumb in that regard. Yeah. They if, would have, they would was, test you. This was, or, or if you hadn't ever had a child before, then you were probably off the table, right? Like they should go around and have like men who have successfully fathered children go down the line, right? Like, I mean, that makes more sense. But there's so much of this stuff that doesn't actually make the scientific slash even practical pragmatic no. sense that that's where you get like the the really like make your skin crawl about them. The birthing scene itself bothered me the first time we saw it with Janine and it bothered me again here. Just, I agree. I'm a have a baby in the hospital kind of guy. I know there's lots of home birth people out there, but right? this is a world where babies aren't living. You yeah, know? to me, after baby Angela was sick and everything, it would seem to me that there would be the the push to have more, I don't know, intervention ready, just in case. I mean, there's nothing even in the room. You know, they don't they don't have like anything. They only there. called the doctor after after it stopped. Exactly. It's just I. It's, it's this like I have no why, role in this. Birth. It's so freaking <laughs> flimsy. You know, this the whole. The whole structure of their world is so flimsy. I mean, it really is so much more about dominance than anything else. So, I mean, I know Serena Joy was pissed. And ultimately, you know who I put the blame on in that situation for making it as bad as it was? Lydia. Lydia? I'll tell you why. It's when Lydia said the line, you might want to time the contractions next time before you call us. That was the humiliation megaphone. Had she just been like, it happens, everyone go about your life, move on. But when she said that line, 
And then everyone kind of looked at each other in that awkward way. Serena Joy felt like she screwed up by jumping the gun. You know, she had messed up by calling Lydia, you know? This episode was full of one-liners and mm-hmm. and and uh, uh, what do you call them? Just uh, last words, if you will. On the way in to the birthing ceremony, when Serena Joy comes out and lays on some of that you know, hands on the belly and a little bit of that gil- scripture, recooked Gilead scripture, and, yeah. and June whips out the "No one knows God's things." I looked that up. It is from Corinthians. The actual quote is: "So also, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God." Pretty clear what she means. I mean, I take that as like shove your blessings up your ass, lady. <laughs> well, certainly, no one can know what God's plan is, and stop acting like you're you know, the mouthpiece for God, like just knock it off, knock it off. The, what she said wasn't actually a paraphrase. It's just, I read the King James version, but I also found that exact quote that she said from another version of the Bible. So it, 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 it is real. I've said this before on the podcast that I believe that Gilead has published their own Bible that has taken out stuff that they don't like. And I like that June used their book as probably and probably threw it back at them, but probably used real stuff that mm, maybe it wasn't in there in, in the Gilead version. You well, know? if you recognize that at some point, if you paid attention to the various ceremonies when they show the whole thing, like the Bible's kept under lock and key. Like it's mm, actually in right. a box that's locked up or like Fred gets it it's out of his It's just for the study. commander to get out, right. Right. And now you can think, well, part of that is because they're not allowed to read or write. Yeah, but I mean, other books are not kept under lock and key. There's books around. It's more control. It's, yeah, it's about like, you don't need to see what is actually written in the scripture. You just need to hear what I read aloud and the, just the, assume I'm saying it correctly. There's a, there's a movie uh, called The Book of Eli. Did you ever see The Book of Eli? I, I did not. It is about... Denzel Washington. And his job is that he is trying to get, like the world has just fallen fallen apart, right? Okay. And he is trying to get to Alcatraz where he needs to drop off this important book. Guess what book? The Bible? The Bible. Okay. He Along the way, he runs into a bad guy who wants his Bible. Mm-hmm. It's because they have burned all of the Bibles. This is what he has is the last Bible. Wow. Okay. And so the the guy who stops him knows that he can use the Bible to his advantage and get people to follow him because people are so downtrodden with the the the, the state of the, the earth. He doesn't remember the Bible. So if he can just read the words, he knows that he will get people behind him just because that's history. People have done it before. He'll right. do it again. The powerful phrases. I'll spoil it for you. Okay. Heads up, listener. Denzel's actually a blind man who was granted the miracle of sight to get the Bible that he had memorized from Braille to Alcatraz, where he would recite it back to them and they would type it up as he, as he said it. Wow. Okay. So the Bible that he had was in Braille? The Bible that he had was in Braille, but he also had it memorized. Yeah, but still amazing because then the person trying to steal it in theory probably couldn't read it because it was in Braille, not print. Well, that's the kicker is that he has selected for his wife a blind woman, when he gives her the book, she says, oh, I forgot Braille, because she's very oh. pissed off at him for, for exiling his daughter, basically. Wow. Or her daughter. What a complicated story. Yeah. Huh? So, yeah, she feels it. She smiles and she goes, oh, I, I'm afraid I forgot how to read Braille. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh. Yeah. She sounds like she'd fit right in with The Handmaid's Tale. 
Yes. Like she's like, you know what? <laughs> yes. So uh, the Bible, powerful. Yeah, no, absolutely. And the whole, going to that birth ceremony whole portion, you know, the idea that everyone was laid out there and everyone was like ready, you know, like they had the commander room with the cigars. And we <laughs> yes. do find out that the one commander who is a new commander has a pregnant wife and they're like, oh, well, you'll be getting your handmaid soon. He's like, no, I'm good. I don't, we don't actually need that. The other commanders were like, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> because, I mean, that really screws up their system. I mean, I think this is a, just one more crack in their system that's like, hold on a minute. You know, this is maybe not something that we need to continue. Maybe it's you older commanders that are having these problems. You when, know? when he talked to that commander who happened to be black and happens to be the first black commander to have spoken on the show that I can recall. Fred made a lot of funny faces that weren't exactly like congratulations, even though he might have said those words with his mouth. His okay. face was a lot more like really uncomfortable okay, with the so whole situation. And I don't know if it was because it's a racist thing, which I, I don't think, but it could I, be. I don't know. Was it racism in the book? I mean, was there mm. was there nothing about racism in the book? I kind of thought that that was something that was like. It's been more than a year. I can't. I, there, that okay. wasn't a major theme. I couldn't tell if it was if it was a race thing or if it was a what are you doing having kids the old fashioned way kind of thing. I guess you could go either which way. I mean, and I think that I mean, given that we do have other people of color in the story that there doesn't seem to be a racism card in there. But I don't think we've seen a commander or a commander's wife of color, even of anything that isn't like blonde hair, blue eyes almost, you know, almost. I mean, obviously, Fred has dark dark hair, hair, but. It's still like there's still that really like cookie cutter version of what a commander and what the wife looks like. I think that it doesn't even have to be like the way that they uh, like their skin color, but it just doesn't seem like there's any variety, you know, in anybody at all. You know, Mm -hmm. that's kind of the point. So I don't know. I, I, I was really sad that Lydia didn't understand what she had set up there. There's no way that Lydia thought anything good could come of her comment like that, especially in front of everyone. I feel like Lydia is way too calculating to see something so almost flip and certainly like passive aggressive. I don't know. She always thinks that she's helping with these little comments like I know a tea that's been known to work wonders or whatever. It's like I think I'm endlessly amused by by Lydia's like homespun ways of of keeping pregnancies healthy and and yeah, all but that, that stuff, stuff isn't i mean I, I i appreciate what you're saying but that those, that's apples and oranges i mean the things that she's talking about about how to stimulate labor that's real i mean mangoes are supposed to stimulate labor and and certain types of, and spicy food is supposed to stimulate labor so since they're trying to avoid induction i do understand especially if they're saying it's the baby's measuring nine pounds that they're trying to avoid c-section and stuff that's uh, that's all totally understandable so i get where you're coming from and lydia does definitely have a more like i don't know maybe you can consider it old-fashioned but honestly as a pregnant woman no there was plenty of things that people told you to do go go like she said vigorous walks my friends had you know went out and played basketball and her on purpose and her water broke, you know, like that was the plan and it happens. And and having sex is supposed to initiate labor. Um, and so I get what was happening here, but I guess it was just I felt like Lydia talking about these natural ways and sort of being all, oh, we need to be all natural about it. The the comment about that you should have timed contractions and then the comment about the natural ways. I feel like Lydia's too smart to not know 
what she was doing and and how she was sort of making the Waterfords feel and what situation she was creating there in a very negative way. Not about spicy teas, but about just a very like, what did you just set up there? Okay. I'll go along with that. But I think it's also possible that she has no idea how fucked up the Waterfords are. Like, I don't think she's counting on Serena Joy being as sadistic as she is. She puts on her I'm knitting face whenever Lydia's over, you know? I wonder. I really wonder if anybody seems to understand how sadistic any of them are, you know, and what Lydia really, you know, wraps around in her brain about everybody. Because, I mean, June had the conversation with her last week already about Fred hitting Serena. Yeah. And she definitely is like all about with Serena. Oh, I'm one is sort of like jot down things about her in your notebook. You know, she's smoking. She's she's kind of got this bad attitude with with June and everything. What ends up happening, though, this scene with June having gone to the commander and asking him, could you could I please see Hannah? Fred being completely and totally shut off to this. I mean, yelling at her. That was the loudest I've ever heard him yell with well, all of his whisper voices. She tried to appeal to his ego, but she overstepped when she mentioned, if it's within your powers, because it's kind of sounded demeaning to to him. That's how he would probably hear it. Just like- Right. Just like- But it's similar more, more to- powerful than you can imagine, toots. Right. But but you would think that that would make, her, make him say- course I can make that happen and actually make it happen. And she's used that kind of crap before with him, you know, where she's sort of like played that ego card before, but you're right this time. No, it went the other way completely on her completely sideways. And then of course, Serena Joy, she was humiliated about the whole birth situation. And then also she wants June the hell out of there. So you put those things together, the two of them plotting in the greenhouse together that was probably one of the most awful scenes as much as it didn't seem like anything was happening in that scene. Just knowing what they were talking about, knowing the two of them being like, she's she's gotten too big for herself. She doesn't know her place. That kind of stuff was like, oh, my God, this is like premeditated punishment. I don't know if you noticed, but the greenhouse Nothing in there looked alive to me. Maybe it's the mm. way that they color grade it to make it make it look kind of so dull and, and dingy. Yeah. But all the shit in there seemed dead to me. Ooh. You know, like all the vines and everything. I really, so, I, I didn't notice, but I absolutely believe that they could have done that. Because if you remember when things were on the up and up with Serena, you know, and she was out there replanting those little seedlings. Yeah. Things were green, like tiny little seedlings were coming up. So it would be fascinating if now... Things were shriveling up and things were going bad in there. That would be like awesome symbolism. Yeah, it stuck out to me when I when I saw it. Wow. But yeah, and I also agree about the the punishment because, um, like I've said previously, just now, I thought that the scene was extra. Like it because they because they just glossed over it. It's important to notice that it's not a ceremony. Otherwise, you would have had the whole house there to witness this glorious occasion. Well, that's know? the thing. So in every other situation, they did have the rest of the household there. They did read scripture. They did do all these things, right? I I don't know how anyone could defend or even within the structure of Gilead, right. how <laughs> this situation where they literally ambushed her and just grabbed her the way they did. And Fred, before, I mean, you could have calculated, it was like three pumps, you guys, and it was over. This was 
a lot longer, way more aggressive and insane. And the way that he was leaning and like staring into Serena's eyes and they were almost doing this like insane, evil, like chanting kind of scripture shit to each other. Oh my God. I mean, this was insane. The entire thing was insane. I don't give them an out for this, but it did look like by the end of it, it didn't quite go the way either of them thought it was going to go. Serena Joy gave him this look that kind of noticed that he lingered, as you were just mentioning, on the project. Oh, okay. I thought. I mean, she wasn't like satisfied looking. She was like, what the hell did you just do? You you were just supposed to induce. You weren't supposed to have a party in there. Mm, I didn't notice that part, but I mean, the whole thing was so gross. Yes. And the way that they just like left her there on the bed was like shocking. It does, and again, going back to not making sense, that whole process of holding her down like that with her struggling with everything and she's screaming, got. screaming, Paul, screaming. And the screaming, yes. But the bearing down part is, is that good? For for trying to to keep a your pregnancy healthy like that, or is that or is like that kind of strain not what you want to be doing in order to to keep things going healthy? Okay. No, I mean at this point it was an attack. I mean this had nothing to do with inducing labor. When they were talking about it in the greenhouse, I think that they were using words so to, to make it, it sound like they were going to induce labor. What they actually did and everything you saw that was. A vicious sexual assault. I mean, that's all it was. I mean, it was sick. It was twisted. I mean, all the trigger warnings that are out there are legitimate. And I'm not really a trigger warning person, especially if you're watching Handmaid's Tale and you know that the premise of the show, you know you're going to see some things. But this and the way that they plotted it and the way that they ambushed her and there was no witnesses in the room and all the things that go against their very rules of this ceremony and everything sadistic is like the only word i can come up with you know and i want to say the serena joy holding her down why i think you want to like really cue into that is that she probably could have fought fred off because he's kind of in a precarious position though as is right yes by design and what i mean by fought him off i meant like between the yelling and the and sitting up and stuff like that some amount probably could have but the fact that Serena was the actual person to hold her down, not in the same way that like ceremonies are supposed to be like they're holding hands or something. And it's like the way they're, that she's like between her legs that she's supposed to be like part of her body. Like it's more like holding hands during the Our Father or something. Okay. Sure. It's a lot less like holding you down because the handmaids never try to get up. Like think of Emily. She didn't try to run away. Like nobody tries to run away. This was the first time we saw someone struggling to get up and like to get away. So I think that's the other reason why this seems so much more brutal. Another reason I hated this scene was that, as you may have listened to in previous podcasts, we had kind of designed for ourselves a way that Serena Joy and uh, June could work together to get out of this situation. And now... I don't think that's possible in any form. No, I agree with you. I, I would put that them working together to help each other out has to go down to like zero or I mean, if they somehow manage to, I just can't even 
all I could speak to is the true desperation of the situation for either of them. If that's what it comes down to, that the two of them have to help each other to get out of here. I guess that that would speak to the level of desperation that this situation really has become, you know? It would have to be like life or death, like, and imminent. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, in a. I mean, Serena Joy, I mean, my freaking God, you know, I mean, this is all so messed up. It's so messed up. And I don't even think that the next stuff that happens in any way makes it less screwed up it's like the whole part where fred's like you deserve this this is like so awesome you know i'm gonna do something for you blah 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 like that makes that part like giving you like a gift or something after attacking you is like the psychological warfare you know it's just it's so intense well it's classic isn't it i mean isn't that what shitty parents that beat their kids senseless do they they buy them something the next day to kind of salve their own bad feelings for what they've done to their kid yeah i mean that makes sense it's it's a it's so disgusting the whole thing so let's move into that fred sets up this situation where they're gonna go uh just nick and june which i find like shocking after the whole canada thing um and any amount of like there's been a lot of looking back and forth at like Nick being the father of this baby, you know, there's yeah. been a lot, a lot, even between Fred and Nick, like that's a little weird. So I was kind of surprised that it was only Nick and June that went on this car ride. And going back to what I said about the the zingers, June had that big zinger in the commander's room that cast doubt on who's the father of the baby. At least, I mean, Fred would have to be pretty thick to miss that. Does his mind go to Nick in this situation or just something that might have happened while she was gone? Sending them out together after I'm after I'm done watching this whole episode and given the way that it ends, I kind of wonder, did he set them up? Yeah. So talk about that. What what do you think? Before we won't talk about Hannah and June's meetup yet. Let's just talk about the circumstances of Nick and June and what ends up happening with Nick. What do you think about all that? What was that? Especially like you said, given the comment of like, you'll never be a father and you'll, you know, all that kind of business. What did just happen? It's very suspicious because it's like, it's like giving someone that's going to be executed a stake before they go. I'll give you this, but we still have to do that. So I'll let you see your kid, but I've set it up so that I guess for it to be totally fucked, he would have to have told them that both Nick and June were out there. Like, I'm confused what you're saying. Like, you think that he was trying to strand June out there? Because I don't. I think if anything, you were trying to say that if you if you were trying to say, did he set up for Nick to get caught and Nick to get pulled in by the eyes as being in the wrong place at the wrong time? And then now he's going to get executed for that crimes. That works a lot better, yeah. That works. But leaving June behind? I don't think so. I mean... I. I don't know because I'm not sure what sense that makes exactly. No, the yeah, you're right. You're right. It it, it, it makes a lot of sense that it is a setup, but specifically for Nick because it's like they were kind of looking for him, you know. I think, or at least they definitely. I mean, when they back off the camera and they show how far and isolated that house was, why would an SUV of any eyes be just hauling ass up there in in any kind of way? And then you get the the factor where. Hannah's guardian knew to leave. Somehow he knew to leave. He right. didn't just like guess. He knew to leave. Right. And was like, we have to leave now. And so meanwhile, Nick's like, 
not in on the loop. Well, you know? I think he's distracted. I honestly think he's distracted with June, distracted with the whole situation, uh, which was very, you know, from our Westworld ways, very Ford-esque. You know, Fred doesn't have to know exactly what's going to happen, but he can predict the series of events. You know, if if they puts him in a situation where June is emotional about something, Nick is going to be distracted and not have his like good guardian senses about him. You know, he's probably going to be paying attention to June. And so his spidey sense is going to be way off. But then you combine that with the you deserve this statement. It, it seems like you it, deserve it, watching your secret boyfriend dragged off by goons. Right. Like it was very, I would say like triple edged sword. I mean, it felt like so many different parts. I mean, I think I think the idea of sh- of bringing her to Hannah, which let's now talk about that. Okay. Hannah, when she comes in the room and Hannah's scared of her, hiding behind the Martha, I was pretty nerved up that Hannah was going to be like twisted to the point of not recognizing June or not acknowledging June. It took a while to warm up. It did, but I was really happy that she finally did. But when she finally did, it made you feel like, was this even a good thing? Because, I mean, now you have her screaming, mommy, mommy, and and saying, why didn't you try to look for me? And also like, did this actually make it any better? No, because June had to suck it up and give her the, you're right, you have new parents, you have to listen to them, do everything they say, you know, keep your head down. Basically, and as a as a parent myself, I'd have to be I'd have to really dig deep in order to be to to perform that well in that same situation. But I think in that particular situation, I mean, given that, I mean, I know this is nothing like that. And I mean, we we have you know, uh, n- none of us could have been in these shoes exactly. But like when you when our, like our children have had to have surgeries before or something, and when you have to be like, you need to be brave, you need to go with the doctor, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's hard for you to say because you don't want to be breaking away from them like you need to walk away from me. But at the same time, it's like it was the best thing for Hannah. Hannah did need to walk on her own accord to that car because anything else was going to be really bad. So in that regard, I mean, I do think it was definitely the right things to say. I'm just trying to figure out is having contact with Hannah. Was it any good for June or Hannah? Like, did it? Is it more of a knife in your side? Is it a twist? Well, is what it June a, asked what for it? was something that at least would have been like the possibility of being able to grab Hannah and leave someday. She just asked to be transferred to the same district and she kind of figured it out from there, right? That's That was her big ask. I have to be transferred out of the district anyway, thanks to your wife. So can I at least go to Hannah's? And so it was such a weak ask, though, Paul, because what was the I mean, to say, like, uh, she'll never see me. I'll never see it, her. I mean, it was, it was bullshit, such a right? silly thing because it was like, how stupid do you think I am? I mean, there is no way you're not going to end up seeing her. And in any situations where children and handmaids are like in the same place, which I imagine it happens. I mean, we saw it in that one big ceremony when they brought the children out, remember, for the mm-hmm. Mexican delegation. It's not, it was, a, it was a weird ask to think that he would be like, you know what, that does make good sense. Because there's like no upside and there's no way to look at it like that that wouldn't cause trouble, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was, it was weird. Well, and then- Going with the idea that that he is manipulating her and giving her what she deserves, how this turned out to be like a gut wrenching. Mm-hmm. Um, her screaming, you mommy. Were, you might have been better off just having 
the pleasant memories of the daughter you'll never see again rather than the parts where she's like, I have a new mommy, that kind of stuff. You right. Know? The only, I would say the only good takeaway was she knows her name's Agnes now. Yeah. And that, I mean, in terms of ever finding her again, that's a big, huge part of that, you know? Mm-hmm. And maybe it was probably one of the most helpful moments too would be when she got confirmation from the Martha that like she had been hit twice for discipline reasons yeah. and nothing else and then also that the that she could say to the Martha could you can you please love her for me can you please look out for her and that Martha seemed she was not an aunt Lydia like she seemed like a Rita you know she was like I will I will you know like she seemed legit like wanting to be sincere you know yes. in that situation right. so maybe those tiny little nuggets were helpful but the whole thing it, I cannot imagine in any scenario why Fred would want her to be stranded stranded there. Well, and- he knows where she's at. I mean, he's down a car, but he knows where she's at, more or less. So what does that mean, though? I mean, where where does where can that go? I think, um, well, if we're right that it's a setup, it'll be like Fred or someone on in Fred's staff picking her up like next week after she's probably been in the cold for a little while, you know? But then what? Like what to what end? What 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 is Fred getting out of this? Well, I mean, they spent the whole rest of the episode showing all the power that they had over her. This could be more of that. Maybe? That's part of why this the rape scene felt so gratuitous to me was that if this was a setup, then oh my god, you know, he can do whatever he wants to you, you know? Get people taken away show you people, but then take them away. You know, that's why it seemed like uh, you've already got me, you know, I just, I, I cannot, I cannot wrap my head around though. The idea of leaving June, I, I, it doesn't make sense to me. I mean, I don't know how quick, if you say a week, I mean, what if she's dead? What did you accomplish? Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know how this would work out to his advantage. And when Serena Joy comes home and he's not, she's not there. Cause she's, he said, be back in three hours before Serena Joy gets home to Nick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. What would be? I mean, unless he claims to Lydia that she tried to escape again or something, and tries to bring her up on some sort of escape crimes charges. I mean, something like that, I guess, could be a possibility. But they hid it before, so dang. I just, I don't know. I can't even imagine where that would be going. I, it's hard for me to imagine that Fred wanted that to happen that way. I'm not sure how else it could have happened. You know, I really don't know what was supposed to happen. If you were Nick, you're probably thinking, why didn't I leave two minutes ago? You know, that would have done it. That's true. Off his game. Yeah. Let's talk about Nick a little bit. Everything that's going on. I mean, he was extremely supportive of June throughout this episode, very physically supportive of June. I mean, when he was asking her in the car, what did he do to you? Uh, Things like that. And, you know, his hand around her waist, you know, helping her walk everywhere and, you know, watching over her and all those kinds of things. I felt like it had to be noticed by everybody, right? Well, Eden definitely <laughs> did. But everybody, right? That, I mean, she, she's about to give birth as far as they know. Right. And and, and he's walking up like, like uh dosey do style, right? With his hand way down on her hip. Did you notice that? I did. Yeah. I did. And I mean, I felt like, you know, part of it was... I guess that's how anybody 
if it was like an EMT or something like that, who, because he helps her like out of the ambulance kind of thing or whatever that was. Yeah. The baby ambulance. I guess it would be considered just like a safe way to support somebody. You know, like if you were helping somebody who just had surgery or something like that, or, or a pregnant lady, you might wrap one arm around her and kind of support her other hand. You know, anybody might've done that, I guess. But when you put it all together, all the things, it's like, I mean, you can understand why Eden's like flipping her shit over there. Yeah, Eden is part of Nick's story this week. We've noticed that Nick has been spiraling a little bit, and this whole Eden thing gets a lot dicier this this week, but it kind of turned out in a way that I wasn't expecting. I was expecting her to have given up the letters or, or something already, almost. Yeah, you know? I agree with you on that. I mean, I do think that her flirting around with Isaac in the butcher shop, you know, June noticing even, and it sort of all being like, everyone in that whole butcher shop being a little like, right. you know, like that was a little You're looking at each other too long. Yeah. And like everybody would notice that, you yeah. know, I mean, no one flirts, no one's dating and freaking Gilead, you know, and the right. guardian men are not even supposed to be talking to anybody. They're over there just to say like, shut up. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Stop talking. So I'm not sure exactly what, what they thought that was looking like, and then them to actually start kissing, and Nick is like watching. Yeah, I mean, but just watching, just like playing with his lighter, like mm, you know. <laughs> I think he was watching, looking up at June's room, waiting to see when lights come on. Yes, he was, and you know, realizing that something's she, not right. Yeah, she should have been up there by now, and you know, the whole. I don't know. Do you think Nick should have faked to be mad at her? Like, should have been like, how dare you disrespect me? Do you think he should kind of just play should, along? Should is the right word, but not not because he believes that he felt that way. More like he needed to do that to keep up at least a facade for this potentially dangerous person living in your house. Well, and he did it when it came to the letters. Like, he was like, you're not allowed to read. You know, I mean, like he was fine with keeping up the rules in that regard, you would have thought that there would have been some sort of like, don't disrespect your husband like that or whatever, you know, I don't know. And, and a little bit, I'm a little surprised just from like a human standpoint that he wasn't a little, I don't know what the right word is, like embarrassed is too strong of a word, but you can't have your wife going around kissing other guys. I mean, shouldn't that embarrass you in some way? I mean, doesn't that make you like a cuckold or whatever, right? I mean, right. you can't. If you have that happening, I mean, isn't that just going to screw everything up just generally speaking? I mean, forget about right. what Eden thinks or whatever. I mean, there's like a much bigger problem here. You can probably think of lots of examples in movies and stuff where guys don't really seem to love their wives, but the idea of her cheating on him is right. a, is, is is a stain on his name. I, I, I mean, it, it, it is too, right? I mean, it is done to like embarrass the person or whatever. So, I mean, it's crazy. I thought it was interesting, though, that he said it would be suicide for me to get involved with the handmaid. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, and her little face suggested that she bought that line. I thought so. I mean, yeah, the rest of it with like not being in trouble and. Right. Like, so what do you want to happen here, Nick? You want them to have like secret boyfriend, girlfriend Garden status? Reaching. Yeah. <laughs> No, it was so oh that was all so odd i don't i don't know if it matters what nick wants because i mean given that he was captured by those other guardians maybe it was just like foreshadowing you know him saying getting involved with the handmaid is suicide and then just mm. the rest of the whole episode he was involved with the handmaid and look how it ended so i mean 
I could see that, that it could go down that way. The way they played that action scene where Nick gets captured was pretty cool. Talk about it. What? Well, just how it was. We didn't, you know, the episode is essentially from June's point of view, except for the opening and then the scene in Nick's apartment. The rest of it's from June's point of view. So on the greenhouse. So we only get to see the fight from her point of view, which is just she's hiding and then she looks and then she looks back i bet that took forever to get right you know because they had to time the little scuffle out there nick had like the slowest draw in the world apparently and got his gun knocked out like right away and then he gets knocked out with like no effort at all Oh, (laughs) oh man but i really cinematically i really appreciated the camera work and the way that they used the depth of field again to keep the blurriness so that it was all very hard to perceive exactly what was happening because i had watched a couple times to see who pulled the gun who shot was someone actually shot but no i don't think anyone was shot i think just nick pulled his gun and it was fired into the ground and they they knocked him out and drug, dragged him away so i think that nick is not long for this world i mean i definitely think that he is going to be killed in the next couple of episodes maybe that's even the works. next episode yeah. i think that's what's going to happen what do we think is going to happen with june she didn't turn and run back into the house she she seemed to wander further away into the woods now part of me says go back inside and at least get some supplies start a fire or something shit well yes but shouldn't she make a run for it I mean, in so- on some level, Paul, like, just think if for a second. If it wasn't winter. I mean, but this is a window of opportunity that was completely unforeseen. And that baby is coming anytime. But if she can try to get away further, I mean, I'm not saying that this is a good idea. Good Lord, no, this is a terrible idea. But it it's an opportunity that hadn't been there before. And given the whole thing about the, you know, the cars driving away and only Fred, in theory, really probably being privy to a whole lot of this. You know, I guess there's a couple of people who know. But he's not going to be able to admit to knowing that she's anywhere near that house, right? No. He might have to go get her himself. Right. So let's like think through this a little bit. So is this almost like a man to man manhunt? Like June v. Fred? My God, like I said, go in the house, see if there's anything, a bag, food, coats, Anything, get anything you can that would make some sense, right? Anything. And then I know she's huge and pregnant. I mean, she could have this baby any second now. And it she's got a nine pound baby. This is a big old pregnancy here. Yeah. But at the same time, oh my God. I mean, Moira just basically ran into the to the farms, you know, and managed to get out of here. So how far does she even have to run? We don't know. She was in the car for a long time. We know it's likely that he sent her to like the outskirts. Of Gilead, probably not. I mean, we know she wasn't like downtown. What does it mean? How far would she have to go? It's that it's winter and that she's pregnant that makes it, I think, all but impossible. And she does have a plausible story. Say the scenario goes down where Fred gets in his own car, goes and gets her. But in order for them both to not be in trouble, Fred has to put forth the story that this crazy driver of his tried to abduct her. And he had to turn him in and go and get the the handmaid himself, which would totally work because they're not going to listen to or believe anything that Nick has to say. So that's that's one scenario of how this might might go down next week. Okay. So how would you play it if you were June? Would you try to run away? Or, I mean, are you really just going to haul up after everything that happened to you in this episode? Are you really just going to hole up in that house waiting for Fred to come get you to rape you again? Or are you not going to just say, I'm going to 
freaking die on the journey through the woods before I just stick around here. Like, first things first, I'm ditching this outfit <laughs> again. I'm going to find some clothes in this house and I'm going to get out of here. I mean, that's very honorable. And you've been pregnant. So, I mean, you could. I've actually run pregnant, right? When I was real mad. So, <laughs> so you have some idea of what you're talking about, but you were pregnant in Houston. So you don't know about the the running pregnant in snow. I mean, I understand what you're saying, that this is an opportunity and you can't pass up opportunities, but. Well, what would you do? I mean, I, I understand you can argue against it, but what would you do? Would you go in the house and make a fire and sit down and just wait for them to come get you? I would definitely do an inventory, see what's see what is available to me. I, right, step one, no matter what, whether you're running or staying. If I there's agree, winter clothes in there, if there's boots, you got to run and see what's in that side of the house. I mean, that's what I would do for sure. So then, what's your next? Because even though? if they find you, you could say I'm I got lost left here. Right. Yeah. And yeah, I didn't know what to do. I tried to I tried to get home. Yeah. So all that would work, but you can't go out there in this stupid dress. You got to go out. I oh god, ready. yes, I would get rid of even that if dress. it's like even if it's like seventeen layers of normal clothes that that you find in that house. Because did you notice that the stuff by the front door was like tennis rackets and stuff? So this was like someone's oh. summer place. I, you know apparently. what? I really didn't notice what was in the house because I, I just noted that a lot of the furniture was, of course, covered up, and so I thought, ooh, blankets. Um, and I. That's that's mainly what I noted, I guess, was that it's it was clearly like closed up. So the question mark is, will June try to run? What will she do? I don't know. Like listeners, what do you guys think? What's going to happen this next week? Will she try to run? Is it what's the safest thing for her to do for her baby? Like legit safest, like long term even. Is it to run or is it to stay? Yeah, I feel like I'm just on you for me, Paul. I would die running on the lamb, man. I would. I, I would die running because they just like abused the hell out of me. For sure. And I just, I, I couldn't, I mean, I'm all the people, all the girls, all the other handmaids that she had made any friends with, all the support system, anything, Janine, Emily, all that. Like if she gets moved to another district, that's all over. Like, I mean, just her whole life here is just coming to an end, you know, in, in every way possible. So... So running is the only thing that makes sense. For me, that's what I would do. I mean, I, I agree with you to go get as much as you could realistically deal with. You know, I, I would ditch the dress and the hat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they mark you as what as, as well, a One, it's like red on like a white background, you know, whereas mm -hmm. like if you could somehow find something that you blended in a little, there's a lot of white sheets, you know, maybe you could even you know, make a little, a little spot somewhere. Now, does that mean that she's going to end up like giving birth alone somewhere? I kind of think maybe, you know? In the um, Handmaid's Tale movie. Yeah. That is not that good. Okay. She gets captured in the winter and her husband gets killed on the snow. So it does have that same, when you said red against the snow, that uh, made me think flashback of her husband getting wasted on the snow and the, his blood, blood hitting the snow and all that. So yeah. Yeah. Powerful imagery, even though that movie's not that great. I just, yeah, I don't know. Oh, I would have to run. I would have to run. And it was called the last ceremony, which also implies I yeah. hope that that doesn't just mean Emily. I hope that means that was it. <laughs> that was the last time the Waterfers are going to lay their hands on me. You know, yeah. if they deal with me again, it's my dead body. 
You know, I'm not. I wouldn't looking, put that past them. But that's okay. Like, but I'm just not looking at Fred or SJ again unless I'm dead. You know, like, I'm just not doing it. Like, I'm I'm over this whole sitch. You know, ah. Okay, you guys. Well, this was again a very difficult episode. I know that we still have three 11, 12, episodes left. I mean, you know, they none of them have been anything less than jaw dropping, stomach punching, you know, nightmare inducing episodes. But these last ones seem like they are just like they put like diesel fuel on the fire here, right? Like we're just all yeah. I mean, insane. We could count it up. I mean, last last season it was just. You know, a little mutilation and some institutionalized rape. But here we have institutionalized statutory rape and raping pregnant women. That's a that's like another notch down the depravity scale, right? To me, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. So looking forward to talking with you guys next week. Please like, let us know what you think. Get over on Twitter and hit us up at Daily Review. That's D-A-L-E-Y Review. Or talk to us on Facebook, Daily Review or DailyReview.com. We want to hear what you guys think. How are you getting through this? Are you sleeping through the night? Are you able to watch it earlier in the day and then, I don't know, watch a bunch of cartoons or something between then and it's time to go to bed? How are you handling this? We want to hear from you. And if you like us, leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks, Thanks, guys. Catch us on iTunes or your preferred podcast software. Our website, dailyreview.com, that's D-A-L-E-Y review.com, Facebook or Twitter, or wherever you find us. Please leave us a comment and a rating to let us know what you think of the show. Thanks for listening, pot people. Thanks for listening to my mom and dad. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Just go home, folks.